Welcome back to another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1946 William Wyler-directed film, The Best Years of Our Lives, one minute of screen time per episode. And I'm your host this week, Brian Lockhart from the Marine Corps Movie Minute Podcast. Brian, whoa, wait, whoa, wait. Yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. Easy there, Chief. What? <laughs> you do realize I, you're, you're done, right? Your weeks are over. You had your two weeks. I understand yeah. counting is a difficulty for you, but you've reached your 10 episodes. You're done. Look, Just I've go done, home. I've done math for Marines. I carry the two it equals week 12. <laughs> or, you know, so, final week. Wait, I'm the main, I thought I was the main event. <laughs> I, he counted. He counted his fingers. He came up with eleven. I understand. I I get it. He came well, up with I, eleven and said twelve. Actually, I mean, yeah. You're you're here now. You've already peed in the corner. I guess you can stay for this minute. Well, we're I was gonna just, let him hang around for. Listen, we're gonna let you hang around for one minute, but that's oh, it. Okay, one minute only. That's it. Then yeah, you're done. Okay. I like, appreciate yeah. that. Okay. Well, because I was having such a good time, I, I, I you know, I didn't want to leave. You, you, you didn't want to leave, or you just lost your keys to your car? <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually have done this. I locked the, my keys in the car with it running. Uh, <laughs> See, that's why I thought you, you had too ha- many drinks. Yeah, I maybe well, you had too many drinks and somebody took your keys. That's what I thought happened. Yeah, that's why it's, sometimes it's good to have the fancier cars where you can just like do it on your phone, or you can punch the numbers into the side, and not like the old 1946 uh, vehicles in this. I know they looked good, but you know they had their downsides. Well, speaking of 1946, I guess we're here to talk about 1946. I guess I'll let you guys stick around. Oh, this is actually an almost on-brand minute for us, because it's two people from different services arguing about the minutia of war. Yes. <laughs> uh, speaking, of, speaking of, we are your hosts for this week. Uh, I'm Chris from the Jay and Silent Bob Minute. And I'm Jeff, also from the Jay and Silent Bob Minute. And I'm Brian Lockhart from the Marine Corps. You already said your intro. You're done. We, they remember you from last week. <laughs> yeah, but now I'm the guest, so I had to, you know, I had to let everybody know who I am. You were the, the lead up to the main event. We are the main event. <laughs> so I'm the bathroom break before the main event. <laughs> yes, yes. Right. You're, you're the, uh, the, the women's title match. At the, yeah, the blow-off match. Yeah, I got yeah, you. I was going to say, you were, the, you were the European championship. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a, Yeah, because the women's actually, they're the main event sometimes now. So, yeah, oh, you're the European champion. Well, more often than not, they're the actually better uh, matches uh, lately. True. So, Particularly, yeah. yeah, in WWE for sure. All right, now that we've talked about something that's definitely 1946, old-fashioned wrestling. <laughs> wrestling. wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this minute begins with two people arguing and ends with what could possibly be great, the greatest piano solo of all time, although that's up for some debate. <laughs> uh, yeah, we. Uh, so you finished this. When you finished last week, you started with these two gentlemen having their discussion. How do you feel about both their attitudes, Brian? <laughs> Well, I actually, um, I think they're great. I love the standoff between the two of them. You know, they're they're uh, back and forth, if you will. <laughs> These two old school men, you know, talking about, um, not talking about their feelings, talking about getting a job done, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and sniping at each other about stuff that neither one of them had any control over. Yeah. <laughs> and, and doing what all members of the armed services do, always thinking they had it worse than everybody else. <laughs> Well, that's a fact. In fact, um, you know, and, and the, the generation before you always had old, uh, you know, worse too. You know. Oh yes. It's every it, every generation of military. The people before you, they were tougher. They had it worse. Like the, the people coming in now aren't. You know, they're just crazy, and they're allowed to do whatever they want. And this has been said since the beginning of warfare. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I specifically remember in boot camp, and I don't know if I mentioned this or not during my minutes, but that was one of the things that the drill instructors used to say to us all the time. The mothers of America are ruining the Marine Corps because they're making, a, making this new generation soft you know, because they can't, they can't swear at us, they can't hit us, they can't get near us. Don't worry, folks. They found a way to do all of that just without being explicit about it. <laughs> they were correcting you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or they- I, heard, I heard someone recently say something along the lines of like, oh, you know, the people today, they're not as good at, you know, fixing things that people used to be like fixing cars and doing that. And the, somebody that was a little younger was like, yeah, and you weren't as good as blacksmithing as your grandfather was. You know, some skills are lost over time while others are gained. That's like how the world works. Right. If you were thrown back in time 100 years, yeah, you would be lost in the weeds. There'd be some things you didn't know what, how to do. For instance, like, where's the bathroom? <laughs> right. right. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm sure if you went ahead 100 years, you'd be like, how do these three seashells work? <laughs> three seashells. <laughs> yeah, so we got what we got here is an army, uh, an army puke talking to the Air Force guy, each one complaining that they had it harder. This guy, he was in a tank. It was the worst thing ever. The other guy was just a fly boy, glamour boy. Yeah, it's a nice view from above, all that good stuff, yeah. Meanwhile, both people took horrendous casualties, and I wouldn't have wanted to do either of their jobs. (laughs) I didn't want to be on the the Western Front, and I didn't want to be in a plane over Nazi Germany. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, they obviously highlight it in this movie about, you know, because Fred talks about you know bombing missions over in in germany and and he was having ptsd because of his um like his friend you know crashing down you know get out get out all that good stuff but you know being in a tank that that was like that was like a coffin at times you know especially american tanks yeah i mean (laughs) (laughs) i mean if something went wrong you were trapped and you were basically dead you know it's um yeah, I don't know all the details about it and all that, so I can't get into the minutiae and the specifics. But, yeah, those were death traps at times. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, Brian, you were long enough, and I've been in for, you know, about three lifetimes. There's also the – since no details are being laid out here, you never know how much somebody's couching the argument in their favor of, like, you don't understand. I was in a tank. For all we know, this guy saw little to no combat. You know, he was in a tank, but, you know, he was in the spare parts tank, you know, that was always, like, 10 miles behind the line. Or it could be the opposite. This dude could have been in combat for three years straight. Like, you know, your mileage may vary. Like, even in a war, like, when you hear somebody say, like, World War II is a giant, all-encompassing war with millions of troops in it. Not every single person was standing at the front line the entire time. Oh, yeah. What's I mean, the ratio? Like, is it 10 to 1? You need 10 people behind the one person who's at the front? Yeah. Um, I, I took a Vietnam class uh after I got out uh, at college and the professor was a, or you know, the teacher, he was a former um, Vietnam vet and he, but he was a supply guy. He was and on our I, side. Yeah. And he was, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> but, and he showed a picture of himself, you know, at the supply, you know, but you know, but he never, he never left base. And, and a couple of the, you know, um, students laughed and he's like, and he would say, Hey, there, here's your hero right here. And he was posing in front of a bunch of crates, but you know, he, he was like, Hey, look, and he made that point. Like you can't, um, you can't fight, you know, for every fighting man, it is. It's like, like it's, it's 10 to 1, basically. And, you know, it, it's, he goes, well, that's where the army needed me. You know, like they put yeah. me where they needed me. You know, and this, you literally this, can't, you can't do anything without supplies. Yeah. I, I, and, I and this situation's even better because these aren't like supply guys or medical or what, or transportation. Like these guys were both in it. 
Like, yeah. <laughs> one guy was in a tank. One guy was in a B-17. You you can't get much more in it than that. Well, I mean, even even nowadays, like, the, you know, the guys that deploy over, say, to, like, the Middle East, and they, they go to Kuwait, the guys who actually go into the, you know, the combat zones, they... they don't even really consider Kuwait as an overseas um, <laughs> deployment. You know, it's like, well, because it's, you know, relatively safe. It's just, if any, there's any little bit that you can kind of have, get a one-up on your fellow service member, you're going to take it to your advantage. You know? Oh, yeah. And it <laughs> goes course. and it goes service to service, and it goes inter-service just as bad. And it goes as deep as right down to, you know, unit to unit, but like platoon to platoon. Like everyone, you had it the hardest. That's the way yeah. it was. Like these guys over here, look. We marched eight miles. They only had to go six and a half because they went the other way. It's you're always, you always think someone's out to get you, and that's how you get through it. <laughs> yeah, and a prime example for like the Marine Corps. It's it's uh, even just Hollywood Marines versus Paris Island Marines. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you were Hollywood. You know, you're out in San Diego and all that. Well, they, but they had, you know, they had, um, you know, mountains called Mount mfr you know <laughs> you know i did we didn't have that in pi but we had sand fleas and we had about a million degrees and 100 percent humidity all the time it was horrible so it's just pick your poison but but I, well, I knew someone his grandfather was in the marines he was in the pacific and my my grandfather's uh, my friend's grandfather was in the air force they were in world war ii and the, you know the marine is doing the you know i was in the pacific which all respect that was not a great place and he's just like, he's ragging the Air Force guy. Yeah, 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 this and that. And then finally the Air Force guy goes, yeah, well, I was there when they loaded the Enola Gay and we ended the war. You're welcome. Oh, jeez. <laughs> he's like, if it wasn't for me, you would have been going across Japan. So you're welcome. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Like they, they were... You know they were gearing up for an invasion of yeah. mainland Japan. Yeah, if you and want that, a ter- yeah, if you want a terrifying walk through history, look through some of those battle plans of the U.S. invasion of Japan. Yeah, because that wasn't going to go well. <laughs> no, I mean, it, I mean, honestly, I mean, they were. I mean, I always heard this, and and you know that, and of course now I don't have any like specific thing to reference and say. Well, this said this, but you know, they, it was like, everything falls back to the Marines, but they were saying, like, literally the Japanese thought the Marines were going to come in there and eat their children. You know, oh, yeah. stuff like, or that's what, you know, that's what the government was telling, you know, the civilians. And and there was a real, war, there was a real fear that they would actually, the civilians, that is, would kill themselves in fear of what was going to happen to them once the, you know, yeah. the savage Americans and, and the, uh, you know, and the Marines get aboard. And it was a legit fear because it had happened on some of the outlying islands. I mean, there's video of people chucking their kids off cliffs and them jumping after them. Like, this is not a fairy tale that they're telling. Like, they had watched it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty brutal. So, <laughs> although, and again, like circling back to this movie, this is one of the few movies where like we've all seen the war movies. Yeah, John Wayne on the beach, amazing. And we've seen the movies of people coming home. This is one of the few movies where like people come home and it's not like yes, it's amazing, or it's not all terrible. It's kind of where it always lands. It's kind of in between. Right in the middle. We're like, yeah, I'm glad to be home, but like, yeah, some of the stuff that sucked when I left still kind of sucks now. (laughs) And like, yeah, while you get your hero's welcome, that doesn't exactly always translate to you get the good job or you get to keep the girl. It's sometimes it's like, hey, thanks for everything you did. And while I was home, you know, someone was, uh, you know, with your lady, (laughs) you know. Uh yeah, and that somebody was Jody, which uh, CR minutes when we went. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, that guy. You want to know all about Jody? <laughs> I heard. Now I, this was I've listened to some of the show, and there was people basically def- not defending, semi defending him. Uh, no, we all who were in the Air Force or the Marines or anything, we all knew that guy. 
he was the guy he waited for that deployment to leave, and he was at the club that night looking to see who was lonely. He was a vulture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he you had know, no, shame, no shame in his game either. He was just like, I don't care. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that, that was that's very prevalent. Uh, pretty much, I mean, I remember being in boot camp, and, and the DI is telling you about, don't worry, Jody, don't don't worry about your girl at home. You stop thinking about her. Jody's Jody's taking care of her right now. And I'm like, who the, who the heck's this Jody guy? <laughs> I found out who Jody was real quick, you know, I mean, just from context. And, of course, every other cadence was a, a Jody call, basically. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. Whenever a unit gets deployed, if you go out to the club that night, it's suddenly packed with women. Yes, it's, it's, it's a happening place that night. <laughs> hey, there's no women around any other time. And as soon as that first night of deployment, it's like, ooh, where did all these people come from? So, And then that's when I learned real fast as I got, as I got older or I deployed with guys that were a little bit older. You were like, oh, man, look at these guys that don't go out, you know, stick in the mud. He just stays. You know, yeah, that's why. Because they're like, yeah, the, the way to stay out of trouble is I'm going to stay here and I'm, I'm going to read this book. And it, it's, it, it may not be interesting, but it'll keep me out of trouble. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, there, you know, there is a reason why there's a UCMJ because yeah. uh, plenty of people do not take that, you know, the right choice and they get themselves into trouble. <laughs> well, unlike the guys we're watching here who both look like the, the guy on, you know, the Air Force guy looks 35 and the other guy looks about 50. Yeah. Um, most of the people that are all fighting in war are not like middle aged. Um, this is you see this all the time in movies because you got to get a star in there and you got people don't become stars till they're in their 30s. So like every fighting man's like 35 years old. They got a receding hairline. You're like, these are not the guys I fought with. The guys I well, fought the, with were like 18. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, well, and not to mention, too, that everybody back then looked about 45, you know. Oh, yeah. But I mean, that's not helping. But like he in the book is 19, I think. Who, Dana Andrews? Yes. Or, you know, Fred? Fred? Okay. Fred, yeah. Fred's supposed to be like 1920. All right, because so I, he's supposed ahead. to have done what most people did. Like, they signed up right away, and now they're back. I still feel like he should be older because it seems like he should have been off in the war for longer, but whatever. The, you, know? you know, yeah, I mean, I heard some other people, you know, talk, and I really didn't think about it. I mean, obviously, he's much older. Um, great, now I'm drawing blanks on all the, the other characters' <laughs> names. But, but, the, but the, la- the lady friend he ends, you know, he, he's interested in. and Elle's daughter, Elle's daughter. Yeah, I had a tough time. She's the one where I had the hardest time with the age. I'm like, she could be 17 or 28. I took yeah. her as mi- early 20s, you yeah. know, maybe 20, uh, you know, early 20s. Um, who I had a hard time with was, was Wilma because it's like, I think she just graduated. It seemed like she she was early 20s as well, but she seemed so much more childlike, I think, yeah. than... Uh, but but uh, Dana Andrews, because he is an older gentleman, anyway. Now he's not old, but older. I I kind of took it as he was like late, like he's in, he's thirty five, but he's like playing late twenties. Yeah, I was giving yeah. him the benefit of the doubt. I'm thinking like twenty seven, twenty eight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, like it makes more sense that he is supposed to be such a young guy, like because he joined right out. You know, like he was he did all he did was a, he was a soda jerk. He knew the war. He came back home. Um, I would have thought somebody. He's not a dumb guy, as as Marie, you know, says. Well, maybe he's just not that bright, you know. <laughs> like, so I think he would have um, been able to move up in his position prior to the war, or find a, you know a, a different job, kind of like he's doing. Well, kind of what he's searching for now. Yeah, um, oh, I like know, he, he has a new tact now, where he just goes up and demands to be like, "Yeah, I want to work. Let's do this." Like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to ask. I like how you ask for work in the forties. I don't need a resume. I can learn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
you know, it is, it's kind of like that old uh, family guy, high, you know, it was like fast talking, high pants. Uh, you know, it's that's kind of how they go back and forth with each other. It's like, well, what do you know? He said, wow, you, didn't he say, like, I used to fly in these things? And, you know, that's his resume. Well, yeah. I can't, you know, I, I've done lots of things, but it doesn't mean, like, I drive a car every day, but it doesn't mean I can, you know, know what to do. I'm not going to work in a chop shop, you know. <laughs> You can't learn? Come on, you can learn. Oh, I could learn. I, and I, that's the thing. I'm willing to learn. Yeah. <laughs> what I don't like is when he says, I can learn, we get a really weird shot of the guy he's talking to standing in front of the plane that, that's like jarring. That's not, a, that? that's not at all uh, him in front of a photographic plate of a B-17? Yeah. <laughs> it's awful. It's really like, it was like, what just happened? It's one of those that if I'm the director and you come back with this, I'm like, we, we don't we don't need this shot. Yeah, like, or just take the background completely out and leave it blank for all we care. <laughs> you, then you'd be like, "Why is he standing in front of a black background?" <laughs> well, it, it, it's kind. Of, it reminds me of kind of like what, um, what was it on uh, Return of the Jedi when Han and Lando were talking in front of the clearly a matte painting um, in front of the Millennium Falcon, and then as as Lando walks away, he just goes into shadow because he would have just going to walk into the matte painting if he kept going. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and uh, what was it last year when we were doing Chasing Amy? There's a shot where you see Holden in the club. It's right after he finds out that the woman he's chasing is a lesbian. And it cuts to him, and he's suddenly uh, 15 pounds lighter than he was in the last shot. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I forgot to take that shot and then had to redo it, you know, 15 pounds heavier. I mean, I guess it was good for 46, but the problem is if, like, they're out on the field with a real B-17. Yeah, just it, put it, it in front looked, of that. It looks so good. Why did we need that other shot? <laughs> it was weird. Like it really caught me off guard because it looks it looked out of place. Yeah, they must have. Weiler must have thought he needed more coverage or something. It was like, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll fix it in post. You know, don't oh, worry yeah. about yeah. it. <laughs> Which barely going to watch now. this one yeah. minute at a time. Yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> nobody seventy years down the road is going to watch this a minute at a time. <laughs> I, you know, you said you said it's pretty good for forty six. I mean, honestly, I watch some movies nowadays, and I'm like, it's the CGI isn't much better. You know, right. so. <laughs> the, the yeah, thing that I right. one of the many things we've said is good about this movie is it doesn't feel like a movie at a time. Like you don't watch it the whole time rolling your eyes like, oh, my God, like you couldn't make this movie today. You could actually could make this movie now, yeah. except like I told Chris, it wouldn't be a movie. It'd be a six episode Netflix series. <laughs> at least. Yeah. And that's what it would be. But the story still works. And with the exception of, you know, the stuff you just can't get away with, like occasionally you get some high waisted pants or some some really strange hair. But like, it's not really that at a time where you're like, oh, I can't even, I couldn't even show this to somebody. I would insist that if they remade it, that they film it, you know, like exactly like that. Like, don't don't make everybody like sleek and modern. Like, I actually was just watching that um, Ju- uh, was it Jupiter Legacy or whatever on Netflix. I just watched that too. Yeah, yeah. And Josh Demal looks so hunky in 1929. You know, like it looks very. Mo- it's like a modern take of it. No, I want the exact clothes that would have come off the rack in 1946. Well, and the other thing I love is whenever they show, and this movie's not too bad about it, but like, because they, I mean, with the exception of obviously Danny Andrews, he's like the matinee idol looks. Everybody else kind of looks like a regular guy. But watch actual footage of people from these wars. It wasn't like, look at these hunks walking by. There was a lot of like, I grew up next to these people. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look at Band of Brothers. You know, like if you, well, obviously they show the real guys at the end. Uh, when they're old but if you ever look at some of the photos of those guys i mean the actors that they pick were you know match them pretty well but like you said a lot of them aren't winning beauty contests you know yeah and i'm not saying you're not going to have the occasional oh look there's the hunk of the uh of the unit here but like yeah you're not going to have like a bunch of tens running by 
It's like, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. What is this? Is this the hot unit? What is this? <laughs> it's psychological warfare. <laughs> We're setting them in there. <laughs> Stupid, sexy army people. Yeah. <laughs> so... Here, 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 now the three of us know nothing about movies, but here, we're going to try to have a deep film moment here. So he tells him, you know, that I can work on anything. The guy, you know, he thinks about it while he's in front of the matte painting. And then as he walks away, he takes off his jacket. Is there any symbolism to him taking off the jacket? Hey, he's getting ready to work. Yeah. Is it just I'm getting ready to work? Or is it like, because um, it's basically, it looks like his flight jacket. It's his flight jacket. It yeah. Is, I'm it, dropping uh, my flight jacket. I'm not, I'm not a flyer anymore. Now I'm a man on the ground. Now I roll my sleeves up and get to work. Yeah, That's, that makes sense. Jeff, that is deep. That is I know, heavy. Deep. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost color theory. I'm almost there. <laughs> if the movie wasn't in black and white, I could have some color theory going on, too. I, I, we we got to go with it. It's got to be. That, that's, there could be no other interpretation of it whatsoever. It, I think you nailed it. I know. I'm about to call uh, Professor Black up right now and ask him, like, what do you think? I'm, I'm right about this, right? Like, just back me up here. <laughs> then Yeah, so... Well, this, the, the, this don't you love the this is the old days when you could have an entire war make tens of thousands of B-17s and then be like, all right, war's over. Put them in the scrapyard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> is that true? Is that real? Like, yes, that's exactly that? what they did. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's they, they, ma- they, they mass produced so many of them. And I think they even made a reference that they, this steel was going to be used to uh, build like, you know, like cheap, affordable housing or something like that. Oh, or, wow. Yeah. And um yeah, there's like airplane graveyards and all sorts of stuff like that. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't sell a whole, whole bunch of these to like our allies, or, or I guess they didn't. I they believe didn't they did. Either. Yeah, they did. But it was, the problem was, you know, by the end of the war, now jet engines are starting to come in, and the technology was just rolling over so fast. That was it. They built twelve thousand seven hundred and thirty-one of them. Oh, um, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> that's yeah. a lot of planes. Yeah, we don't. I mean, I think the entire, I think all of our planes together, we got maybe twelve thousand now. <laughs> Wow, and that that might be across all services. Yeah, it always fascinates me when when you like look at the sheer scale that they had to do to mobilize, uh, you know, for a world war, compared to like how we can fight a like so, say a global war on terror now with an all volunteer army, and you know, you know, or a military, I should say, not not necessarily army, but right. and, and you know, so much, you know, the we- the weapons, the, the you know, the planes, all that stuff is uh the technology is what i'm trying to say is so advanced now that you can do so much more with less i mean but you still need boots on the grounds in some situations but um, also you say twelve thousand planes now but they're they're a whole lot bigger than those planes back then i don't well, know and, and not really like, not all, i mean i've seen some giant planes go by though well yeah we got a couple <laughs> of those too but <laughs> right <laughs> but the the theory back then was like we'll just make so many of these like if you ever see any of the actual raids over germany it is unbelievable to witness just like hundreds of planes in formation in broad daylight. Just like this is happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like daylight precision bombing was an insane thing to do. And then the best was when they found out there wasn't a lot of precision to our precision bombing. But like, <laughs> no, I, I mean, there's a reason it's called carpet bombing. You know, yeah. you, just, you just, yeah, eventually well, it just became like, well, we'll drop enough bombs. We'll hit what we're aiming at. So now were um, they making enough of them because they knew they were going to lose a lot of them too? Oh, yeah. And they knew there'd be like yeah. heavy turnover. Put it this way yeah. of the 12,731 aircraft built, approximately 4,735 are lost during the war. Wow. That's, That's a so lot. So like you lose a third yeah. of the planes that you built. I forget wow. what it is. I, I remember in Memphis Bell, I know it says it at the end. It's something like, it says how many thousands, like so many thousand airmen were lost over Europe from both sides, wow. between us and That's the Germans. Crazy. Yeah, And it's just like, 
it's one of those like you're in a B seventeen, it can hit the wrong way, and you, you, you're done. Like there's no, <laughs> I mean, but you can't pull over on the side of the road. You are you're going down. I remember it was one of the books I read, and they were talking about. They said there was no training on how to get out of the plane if you had to bail out. And at the huh. last day, he got he kind of asked the instructor like, "Are we going to have any like egress training? Like how do we get out of this thing if there's a problem?" He's like, "If there's a problem and the plane's on fire, you'll jump out of a hole a mouse couldn't find." <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna find your way out <laughs> he's like you'll find your way out <laughs> that's crazy yeah that's a big no for me too because my old career field in the in the 40s was split into two it was people on the ground that did weapons and people in the air so half of my career field was on like b-17s and b-24s uh no oh, wow. thanks <laughs> i'll stay on the ground thank you <laughs> nice nice and relatively safe here in england <laughs> that happened. You're talking about during a war. I don't like going in a plane during, you know, peacetime. So well, I don't. I don't like to fly either, which is great. Being yeah. in the Air Force, maybe that's right, the problem. Right. I know too much. Yeah, you know too much. Just looking out the window as I'm getting ready to get on the plane, watching the crew chief out there banging on the nose wheel with a breaker bar, going, "Oh dear God." <laughs> <laughs> Although it was a sight to see when I flew to the Turkey the one time, we flew on KC-10s and we flew in formation with our F-15s, so we had fighter cover while we were going there. I'm like. Well, I feel so important right now. Yeah, <laughs> and we had to fly, and we had to fly the long way because France wouldn't let us cross their airspace. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we have to go around France. They're being a problem again. Yeah, they're 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 always good on that. I remember we used to I used to make jokes about that all the time that that you know we weren't allowed to use their airspace. <laughs> it's like oh, I remember using your airspace once. Remember when we showed up to save you? <laughs> I guess that's all forgotten about. Well, I think that's why I think they I, I think their ego was you know bruised a little bit, so they're like, all right, you, you guys find your own way. Although I did have a French guy when we were in Turkey, the French were there for a little while, and the one guy did say because somebody kind of brought that up of <laughs> like, oh, how about when we came and bailed you out World War II? And he's like, oh, well, I guess that makes us even, you know, for the whole revolution thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was just like, buy that man a drink. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> yeah. Well, but let's be fair. I mean, we we uh we we took we picked up their slack, you know, in Vietnam, and we picked up, you know, we we helped out in World War One too, and they were, you know, they were having a little rough time then too. So, I, I think I think if you you know, there's a little bit more, red, uh, you know, we're in the black, they're in the red a little bit more yeah. as far as the ledgers. <laughs> it's it's funny to watch if you watch any of the stuff on like YouTube. Like, there's I know the one channel Oversimplified does it, and a couple other ones do it. All the world wars kind of go the same way. We're going, we're going, we're going. Oh crap! The Americans are here. We got to end this. <laughs> <laughs> Yanks like, are coming. <laughs> like who who messed up bad and got them involved? <laughs> like hey, we're, we tried to sit out the first one. You wouldn't leave us alone. Yeah, we were over here minding our own business. Sort of. I mean, as much as we ever do. <laughs> I think for a modern audience, the hardest part to believe about the world wars is that we didn't immediately a start them or b jump in right away. Because there's no way current America sits out a war like that. No, no, probably not. No, no way. No. Everybody just cracks their knuckles and goes, all right, it's time to finally use all the stuff we've been paying for. <laughs> all right. Uh, Chris, now I know we're getting to your favorite part. I know you love Hoagie Comar- Carmichael on piano. <laughs> I can't wait to get into this wedding. I just yeah. can't wait. <laughs> Chris has been talking to me. He was so glad to get the end. He wanted the wedding so bad. <laughs> it's nothing I like better than a house wedding. I can't wait. We were like, man, this movie has so much drama. All the stuff with Homer and, you know, all the stuff with Dane Andrews and his wife and them coming home. And what did we get? Oh, the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> we got the wrap up. All right. 
<laughs> so um, we open up on on cars parked in the street where you couldn't get to that house if you wanted to without climbing <laughs> over the cars. Also, unless those cars came in the order that they're parked in, somebody is an amazing parallel parker. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I hope uh, it must have been. Um, give your keys to this person over here. He'll park your car for you, right? Valet. It must have been a valet. Yeah, well, there, there, there's no, there's no. Hey, I got to sneak out early. You're, oh, you're no. stuck. No. You're there. Yeah. You're here for the duration. Yeah. Well, and this, I mean, this was the days though. You could go bumper to bumper because everybody's got like a, you know, an iron bumper that they can just slam <laughs> into the person in front of them. <laughs> Not like now, where like if, if a bird poops on my my fender, it breaks. Oh, it cracks in half. Yeah. <laughs> I remember even like in the '80s and '90s driving around with my like uncle, and he'll be like, he'd get in a parking spot like that, but he would slam into the guy in front of him and slam into the guy back, and he'd be like, "That's what bumpers are for, anyway." You can <laughs> do like, that now if you wanted to. You're like, they don't make bumpers like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, that's what bumpers were for. <laughs> yeah. Now right. they're now, for now they're for getting cracked and costing me seven hundred dollars. Right. You got to replace the whole back end because you got a crack in the bumper. Or more likely, the, somebody tells me I need to repair it, and I'm like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, just give me the insurance money, and I'll I'll have that crack for the rest of my life. Yeah, give me the insurance money, and I'll throw some <laughs> duct tape on it, and we'll call it a yep. day. Yep. <laughs> All right. Now, does anybody have anything to talk about with uh, the Hoagie Carmichael here at the end? I'm sure we're going to get into Hoagie tomorrow, right? Yeah, the Hoagmeister. <laughs> anyway, wanna, yeah, this, well, I think he plays, what, one note on the piano? We don't really get into this. Yeah, it's well, more the, about the setup for the kids, right? Hey, all right, get ready. And then it's like... Ah, and then it's done, right? Isn't that how it goes? Well, it's yeah. more about this horrible kid singing in the very beginning. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm sure we'll <laughs> have a week as, of us complaining about that. <laughs> as soon as this kid started singing, I would be like, you, you're the one going up and checking, make sure everything's okay. <laughs> there he goes, here. He's terrible. Less is more. Less is more. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're done, I guess uh, our guest slash co-host slash straggler can give his plugs. <laughs> Well, as I've stated, what this will probably at least be my third time. I'm uh, co-host of the Marine Corps Movie Minute uh, podcast, uh, where we discuss movies of the Marine Corps one minute at a time. Uh, you can, you know, just find us there. So I did have a question for you before you go. Uh, where did Scott go? Not Scott. What's it? What is your co-host? Oh dear God! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got, I we got, Scott. We got all the way to the end, and then off the rails it goes. <laughs> I'm no, also you know curious what I, as to where Scott is and who is Scott is my question. <laughs> better question. Why is Scott? Yeah, I'll, I'll do you one better. <laughs> when? When is Scott? No, Scott. I always said Scott because I was editing a different uh, episode of our podcast today and oh one of the God. guys' names was Scott. And I'd, We've gone to plaid. <laughs> do you want to give him a plug before I start our plugs? Well, sure. My co-host is Perry, is Jack Perry. He's also from the Marine Corps Movie Minute. And if you want to hear our musings, come come join us at the Marine Corps Movie Minute podcast. <laughs> is that is that better? Is that better, Chris? <laughs> well, me and Bill over here are from the Jay and Silent Bob Movie Minute. <laughs> we did Dogma, Clerks, Chasing Amy. Uh, that's about all I got. You got anything else, Jeff? Great, Scott. <laughs> oh, Scott. You idiot. Ooh, no. Now, now, but now, Jeff, you have to do that closer thing. Yeah, I was just say, do I have to do it for you guys? I mean, that's why I stuck around. I knew you guys were gonna mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I gotta read the thing at the end. Wait, get Scott to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll just wait, wait here with crickets chirping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad Perry wasn't here. He'd be like, Scott, really? You don't even know my name. I was on your podcast last year. <laughs> well, here, I'll do it now, and then you can add it at the end, Chris. You can use your editing. You ready? 
I'm, I, yeah, I guess. Listeners can find the Best Minute Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or at the main site, bestminutes.com. Social media, Butch's Place, Best Years of Our Lives, Listener's Cafe on Facebook, or Twitter at the Best Minutes. There will be no editing. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. There's never any editing. I know this. <laughs> Joe, you better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor.